Okay, Justin, sing me a song that started with one title, but because the song wasn't as successful as the band thought it would be, they changed the name of the song, hoping that more people would listen to it. <laughs> um, is there an example of that? <laughs> I'm not the one. With, I mean, there's. All I'm not the one who's of, supposed to answer. <laughs> That's your job. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of remixes, but they normally carry the same name. Why do you always give me this impossible shit? One of these <laughs> days, you're gonna catch on to what I do. Like, <laughs> I don't know how these surprise you. Well, I just expect you to be generous one week. Just I was one week, and you failed it. Oh yeah. So <laughs> what week was that? I don't know. One of those. Because <laughs> I said the name of a mm. song, and you went, "Oh yeah, that would have been good." Because I, I specifically mm-hmm. had a song in mind for it. I don't always have songs in mind, but when I do, you still don't get them. Just wait till we do one on like Sonic. Oh, God. Or I've got, all right, for when we do an episode on the movie The Photograph, I've got a specific song in mind. I'm going to tell you that now. I have a specific song in mind. So I just want you to think. No, God, I'm, I just thought of one too, but I know that's probably not where you're going Fuck with it. it. We're, I did we're think of We're having fun. What are you thinking? That that one who sings that look at this phone. Nickelback. Nickelback. Okay. That's not the song I was thinking of, but I would accept that. Okay. I would accept that though. That would have oh, been okay. an acceptable answer. That'd be one of those ones of that's not what I was thinking, but you beat me at my own game songs. Uh, I'll I'll give you were one you hint now. Of Kid Rock. Of uh, wait, who? The Kid Rock Shell Crow song? No, wasn't thinking of that at all. And that would not have counted. Okay. If you sang a Kid Rock okay. song, that would definitely not count. I'm legit just trying to think of songs that have like something about a photograph in the, the song. That's why I said it. I just yeah. want you to think about what I just said. Nickelback is a more acceptable answer than Kid Rock. And I would yeah, 100% that's mean that. actually true. I will stand I behind that till that. I die. Um, I will give, I will give <laughs> Justin a one-word clue to help him for the song for photograph. Atlanta. And that's all we're going to say. Okay. I'm practically screaming. I'm practically screaming what the song is at that point. A song from the Atlanta show? No. I'm talking about the actual city of oh. Atlanta. Oh, that's what I was thinking too. Like the Atlanta show. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about the oh. city of Atlanta. Um, that, that is literally the biggest of, hint in the world. I feel like it's Andre 3000. See, now I have to change my song. You weren't supposed to actually guess it here. <laughs> I did think of it, but I didn't think anyone else was going to think of that one. You weren't Mm. supposed to actually give it away. Now I have to think of a new one. See, now you lost it, Justin. Now you don't get the easy Uh, one. That was the easy one. My bad, Justin. My bad. I was just going to ask you to sing me a song about what you do with a Polaroid picture. (laughs) Nice. That would be good. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Now you don't get that. Man, thanks a lot, Heather. Now I can't have a fantabulous emancipation. The one time I play the game and I screwed it up for you. <laughs> See, one of these days, Heather, you, and I'm going to warn you now, one of these days, my the podcast won't start with Justin. Sing me a song. It will start with Heather. Sing me a song. Just wait. Oh, geez. It's going to come out of nowhere. I'm just warning you. Is this your way of saying that you just you don't care about me as a person? <laughs> No, it's my way of having fun. <laughs> oh, okay. I can't, I can't just beat up on Justin with this. I got to beat up on everybody. And by that, I just mean you too. And mm. on that note, let's start the episode. 
Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. If you didn't guess what we are talking about today, we are talking about the movie with the new name. So originally, this movie was called Birds of Prey, colon, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And after this weekend, they've changed the name. It is now Birds of Prey, or no, fuck, I already fucked that up. It's Harley Quinn, colon, Birds of Prey, which Warner Brother, get the fuck, get it the fuck together. That's not what you named this movie. It's not. We came up with a couple of titles before this, and we'll share them with you now. I think this movie should be called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Just simple. Justin, what was your suggestion? Uh, just, just go with that last part from the original title, The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yep. You know, and then The Birds of Prey could have been a nice surprise yep. towards the end. See? Anything else. They just... This is their second try on the title, and they've already fucked it up again. I mean, this is an easier title. It's just still, like, why are they obsessed with putting colons in this fucking title of this movie? Like, at this point, it should just be called colon. <laughs> that sounded like a pity laugh, and it should. It was a bad joke. All right, but anyway, we're going to talk about... Movie. I was actually amused. Well, good, good. It was a shitty joke. But well, we're, we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the aforementioned Harley Quinn... The Birds of Prey. God, that's such an awkward title to say. You just want to put an and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why, why couldn't they just put the little and symbol? Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. God. Harley Quinn, the Birds of Prey. Because that rolls off the fucking tongue. Just, just saying a group of nouns. Like, you're just saying two different comic book titles. Harley Quinn, the Birds of Prey. Oh, garbage. Anyway. Uh, so as always, or not as always, but as we've been doing lately, we're going to go spoiler-free, give our recommendations, and then go full spoilers after that. So I will put time codes in the description to let you know when we do start the spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers, we will give you the warning to stop. And then if you watch the movie and then want spoilers, you know exactly where to go to finish the episode. So since Heather ruined this for Justin or not this, ruined the song game for Jasper for Photograph, she gets to go first. Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey? Mm. Well, honestly, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I was pleasantly surprised. I just am very, like, at a loss for how it can just be so immensely better than Suicide Squad, where we first saw Harley Quinn in, in a movie. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, it's, it takes place after the Suicide Squad movie takes place. It's, it's very much a movie about, you know, Harley Quinn and kind of her actions after what happens in Suicide Squad. So, um, yeah, it is super fun. Like my, my one takeaway from this is it's very fun and entertaining. I really enjoyed the action sequences that they had um just they were they were fun they were humorous but they were also like yeah that's a badass scene like it was just very well done and uh it was colorful and it was bright and it was just very much like a you're in the mind and you're in the world of of harley quinn and uh i thought it was uh it was fun to have her kind of being the narrator of this movie and just hearing her perspective on things, but then also hearing it versus the reality of this is what it actually is. And it was just really fun because it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. 
It has a good time. It is genuinely funny. The character dynamics between all of the the women who end up coming together in this movie is really great. Um, really good acting too. Also, Ewan McGregor in it is just really definitely um, a character and um, a performance that I've never really seen from him before. So it was very well done. Um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth a watch. It's a super fun movie. Like I could see this if this had come out in the summer. I could see this being like a really good summer blockbuster movie type of thing. Um, it was very enjoyable. Like I had a good time with it. I laughed. I was intrigued with the story that was going on because it wasn't just about like, oh, this is Harley Quinn's life. There was actually a story behind it and she was specifically on a mission in it and it was just really well put together. Um, I think it was paced very well and I just, I had a really good time with it. Um, yeah, that is, that's what I think. I, I do recommend it. I think it's a great, um, I think it's a great movie. It's definitely a solid and way better follow-up to Suicide Squad or the character that you meet in that movie. So I am... I'm on board for it. It was really a pleasant surprise, and I had a lot of fun with it. Justin, what about you? All right. So what did Justin colon his thoughts on the suicide? Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> no, like, uh, no, what uh, Heather said, I mean, the last thing that you said, a pleasant surprise, uh, I have the exact same sentiment. Like, th- this, I had low expectations going in. Uh, just because of the sour taste in my mouth from Suicide Squad. I just uh, hated that movie. I really did. But the movie made money. So when this was announced that this was going to be a spinoff, I didn't exactly have my hopes up. But the one thing I will say about Suicide Squad, for the big glob of excrement that it was, the one shining beacon that came out of that movie was Margot Robbie's performance as this character, Harley Quinn. She just, I mean, I can't think of someone who could possibly play this character better. I mean, maybe, you know, there are a lot of skillful women, perhaps somebody else could play this character, but man, she just seems to do it so effortlessly, whether it's nailing the voice whether it's a, a scene where she has to be vulnerable, a scene where she has to be funny or endearing, or a scene where she has to kick some ass. Uh, Margot Robbie just kills, absolutely kills in this role. And it just seems like a, a match made in heaven, uh, Harley Quinn and Margot Robbie. So again, she impresses here. And this movie really is about her and her journey and the journey of this character. And it's fun and entertaining. And the thing about this movie is that uh, the Harley Quinn character, for anybody who's not a fan of the character who doesn't know, this character, I think the reason why the character is so endearing is because she's she's colorful. She's loud. She's random. She's crazy. She's all over the place. And I love that that was the approach that they took with telling this story. The story is chaotic. It bounces back and forth from place to place as she's narrating, trying to remember what a a part that was important or making you go back four minutes from the scene that she just showed you or whatever the case may be. 
And there was just something so fun about that, being able to jump and, and, and everything like that. Now, maybe not all of it landed as effectively, but for the most part, it really made for a fun movie. And it really felt like Harley Quinn was narrating this movie. So I just really loved that style that it took with it. Another word I said about Harley Quinn is that she's very colorful. This movie was colorful. Very, just eye-catchingly so. Like, there are some scenes I'm sure we'll get into um, um, in the spoiler section where it's just erupting with color and it's just so vibrant and there are just some very eye-catching scenes, eye-catching fight scenes as well, where you get some interesting camera angles and different things that they do with just the color palette that just really make this a good time. I mean, and, and that's what it was. It just had a visual style that just kept you intrigued the whole time. And the last thing I'll say is just that it has some interesting characters that they introduce in this film. And, you know, comic fans and DC comic fans might know about the Birds of Prey and the Black Canary and the Huntress and some of these people like who they are. But for but I think for people unfamiliar with these characters or maybe you you know of them, but you don't really like follow them or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think this movie makes a strong case that those characters might even be able to carry their own movie. Like, th they introduce them well. They're very intricate to the this journey that Harley Quinn is on. And they all just come across as badasses in their own way. But they're also vulnerable and they have uh, missions and things that they're trying to do. And even though the the, the movie respects those things, it really focuses on Harley and her character arc and her journey. And I think the film was all the better for it. So I appreciated that. And the, at the end of it, there is this kind of this uplifting message. And there's this very pro-women girl power message in it. So I think for all of that, uh, I can say that I had a good time. And yes, uh, I agree with Heather. This was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, to kind of even push it a little further than Justin did uh, with how well Margot Robbie portrayed the character of Harley Quinn is to just more or less say how fucking annoying she was and how much I just don't like that character <laughs> and how much that comes across in the movie. It's all the same. And and I mean that as a compliment because I don't like the character of Harley Quinn. I find her very annoying and stupid. And Margot Robbie nails it. She really does. And for as much as I don't like this character and as much as this character does drive me nuts and everything like that, I mean, this movie is probably the most fun I've had watching a comic book movie in a long time. It's definitely the most fun I've ever had watching a DC movie lately of these, you know, DC extended universe uh, movies. It's by far the best uh, in my mind. It's, it's very unapologetic with how it handles the material. It's very unapologetic with how bombastic and bright and just immersed in the mind if you will of harley quinn it's unapologetic with how it wants to portray its characters i mean you can kind of tell that some of the things weren't necessarily in the the first draft of this movie if you will but for the most part this movie feels like it's probably the most singular like realized movie that dc has done yet that the writer and the director and the actors and the producers and the studio were just on board for what this movie was going to do. 
I don't feel like anything was so disjointed that, you know, you're like, oh, this scene doesn't fit. Was it studios or was it this or is it that? Like that typically plague DC movies. Uh, this is probably the most interesting villain that the DC EU has had so far. I mean, every other DC movie has had just some random gray CGI bland fuckface as a villain. And for the first time, you got an actual character as the villain. It was an actual something. It had uh, uh, Ewan McGregor as the Black Mask had personality. He had his, his just own uniqueness that infinitely and instantly separates this from every other DC movie that has existed in this new universe. And while the DCEU has now kind of splintered off into doing solo movies and things like that and not really trying to do an, ex an, an actual extended or cinematic universe anymore, this was the first one that's tied to those original few. Like, because even Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Shazam, while they kind of loosely hint back to it, have all kind of just deviated to their own things now. Whereas this one directly ties back into them because this one directly ties back into Suicide Squad, which is a part of the Man of Steel, uh, you know, Justice League set in Batman versus Superman set of movies. But this was the first time in these that where you're directly getting a spinoff of those that I actually truly enjoyed that universe that they had set up. It took them long enough, but they finally did something that felt fully realized. And I mean, holy fuck, you get to see Gotham in daylight. Like, that's astounding. I didn't think Gotham had daylight. I thought it was in this weird alternate dimension that when you entered the Gotham City limits, it was just nighttime all the time. It was either nighttime or dusk at all times. It never actually became daylight. It would just go nighttime, and then the morning would happen. But the morning until nighttime came again was just a constant state of dusk. And this one actually had daylight. It made Gotham City for once, feel like an actual city that exists in the real world. I will say this, and this isn't a spoiler, but it's incredibly like a detailed moment, is they had Gotham license plates, which that's not how license plates work. There's not license plates <laughs> for just, just a city. You know, you're not going to Chicago, and you've got your Chicago license plates, and then you go to Joliet, and you got your Joliet license plates, or you drive down to Texas, and you go to Midland, and you got your Midland license plates. It's just something that... I, I like that they were doing that to show attention to detail, but at the same time, they just, it's a weird detail to fuck up on. Like, I get it because Gotham doesn't technically have a state because that's the whole point of these places is they can kind of exist anywhere and stuff like that. It's just, it's a very weird thing to see on a multiple license plates. Um, but yeah, the fight choreography in this was probably some of the best I've seen in a comic book movie. And I'm not talking about action sequences. I'm talking about the legitimate fight choreography in this. I think is actually just a notch above, or not, 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 not a notch above, a notch below Captain America Winter Soldier. And a lot of it has to do with their fight choreographer, who's worked on a ton of shit. Um, he's the one, he's the fight choreographer that did the Shinobi and the Moroccan fight sequences in John Wick 3. Not all of them, because that's what's also so special about John Wick is they've got different fight choreographers for different sections of the movie. And so, you know, the 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 fight coordinator, he he handled those scenes in that. But he also did them in Aquaman. Uh, he did the motion capture fight scenes for Black Panther. He was the coordinator for that. Um, 
you know, so he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he was one of the fight coordinators for Atomic Blonde, which is has fantastic fucking fight scenes. But as far as the DC movies go, this legitimately has the best fight scenes that have existed in the DC universe so far. Just hands down. And this was also the first time seeing Harley Quinn that it, it kind of retroactively made her make sense in Suicide Squad. Because in Suicide Squad, it's like these superpowered people... Or, you know, you've got like Deadshot, who is, you know, the most accurate person ever exists. And then just some lady with a bat that's crazy. And she didn't really fit in that. But in this, you actually got to see her, her tactical skills, her fighting ability, her, you know, the, the intelligence that it would take for her to, you know, get a PhD, you know, and stuff like that. You actually got to see why she would be, uh, you know, somebody you would want in a team like the Suicide Squad, which in turn makes me more excited for James Gunn's Suicide Squad because she is returning in that. So it does make me excited for that because now maybe this team is going to feel more uh, cohesive and the characters aren't going to just feel like random B-list people that they're trying to use to just fill a roster, which is what I feel like Suicide Squad did. And just like everybody else talked about, I mean, the... or. Not everybody else, but I'm just saying, like, the, the the birds of prey themselves, when you have Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Rosie Perez and uh, Journey Small uh, at Bell, they were fucking fantastic in this movie. Like, the the dynamics and the chemistry they had when you, you finally see them on screen together was probably one of the, was one of my favorite things in this movie and one of my favorite things I've seen in a long time. Just how organic and fun it all felt. Like... I mean, I'll get into a little bit more with with spoilers, but, you know, at the end of this movie, if they had just extended that specific scene for another 30 minutes, I would have just sat there in heaven watching it happen because it was just utterly delightful. But uh, is there anything else you guys want to say before we get into our recommendations and spoilers? I'm good. Good. All right, then Uh, we'll start with you, Justin. What's your recommendation and score? Um, I do recommend that uh, people see it. Especially just given the news that it's not uh, pulling in that much money and everything like that. Um, I I actually had a conversation with somebody today and they were like, well, I was thinking of a mother. She was like, I was thinking about taking my daughter to see it. And I know that that R rating, it may make parents a little apprehensive. So I think it's just fair to say that, uh, yes, it's got some language in it. And that might explain why. it has the R rating. Maybe there was just enough cursing to give it the R rating, but I don't know. Uh, you know, there's bones breaking and stuff like that, but there was no like, you know, it, it doesn't have the type of gore or just this type of horrible violence or imagery that 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 would have to cause you to cover a kid's eyes or anything like that. I think that this is one where, you know, you could watch this. And and there was a family in there when I was watching this. And I don't know, I, I didn't see anything that I was like, well, why are these children in here? I, I don't I don't really think there was anything like that. So I just want to recommend it to people. And don't, don't be fooled by uh, also what the title may have implied or what you thought the title meant or what you think uh, or, or all these little assumptions. I, just go in and watch it. Just go in and just let, let the film have its way with you. Just go in and just see what kind of journey that they take this character on. So uh, I just 
wish and hope that more people do see it, you know, as it as it's run uh, extends in theaters. And so I just wanted to really urge that this is not a bad film. Go watch this. It's not another Suicide Squad. This is an improvement over that by leaps and bounds. So I just want to say that if people are apprehensive about seeing it. Uh, other than that, um, I think that this was a solid movie. It's positive. It's it's not my favorite movie of the DC bunch. I still think uh, Wonder Woman edges this out, but this is one of the best ones. I like this. I really do like this. I think that this is very, very good. It's entertaining from top to bottom. And it is one of the best uh, DC movies for sure. So for all of that, uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, My score. Let's see. How can I? Okay, I got one. My score is going to be. We're going to go with, I'll give it a a B, a solid, solid B, man. We'll go with 80 um, (laughs) beanbag shot, uh, uh, beanbags flying from a shotgun and exploding with all types of vibrant color out of 100. Go see this movie. Don't miss it in theaters. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I understand what you mean about Wonder Woman being like one of the best of the DC films, but... This one was definitely more fun, in my opinion. Uh, It was just a really good time, and I just really appreciated how they did this movie, the direction they took with this movie. Um, Margot Robbie really kills it, and so do all of the other women in the film. They're all so, so good, Um, and Sterling is right there. They're dynamic together, and seeing them all together is just really great. So, um, yeah, it's a really good time. It's a lot of fun. Um, I would say definitely go see it and I will give it 86, uh, destroyed breakfast sandwiches out of a hundred. Uh, for me, I, I definitely say, uh, recommend, uh, seeing it. It's, I disagree with Justin. I think that this is a better movie than Wonder Woman because unlike Wonder Woman, I don't feel like this one started one way and devolved into tropes or the same cliches and tropes that DC is 100% notorious for at this point, which is what Wonder Woman did for me. I feel like this one was smart enough to stay out of that. And I don't know, like I said, I had more fun with this one. Like Wonder Woman is was great. Well, Wonder Woman was almost great. It was really, really good. It was almost great. This one I actually think is great. I'm going to give this 90 Fuck yeah, she has pet hyena, uh, a pet hyena out of 100. So at this point, we're going to go into spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers, you should hit the stop button because we're going into spoilers literally right now with, I don't know really what to say that would actually just be spoilerific that I actually want to talk about. Like, I mean, it's, they were really fucking great with this. The one problem I had with some of these scenes is I actually feel like this movie was originally written for the Joker to be the bad guy and not the black mask. I just feel like that that's what it originally was. And that at one point they changed their mind, but it's just the way some of the scenes played out. I just felt like it was meant for another character and not to say that you McGregor didn't nail it. I thought he was, he was quite charming in a way as that villain in a very unsettling way. Like that scene when he's talking about the, the shrunken heads was like equal parts horrific and charming when he's talking about like, you know, the history of it all. And he's like, 
And now for them to be in my room. Ew. Like, it was just one of those things that, like, for whatever reason, I, I couldn't see anybody else playing that character other than than you and McGregor. Like, with that scene, just the way he nailed it. And I love how they took one of my favorite Batman villains and integrated him into this story in a very unique way. And I'm not talking about Black Skull. I'm talking about Zaz. I mean, I always love it in, in, in the comics, depending on who the writer is and who the artist is, of, like, what version of Zaz you're going to get. Is he going to be one where he's like kind of a, a young starting out Zaz and he only has a f- couple of scars? Or is he going to be the most prolific homicidal maniac ever and he's just almost his entire body is nothing but scar tissue at this point? Like, and I kind of loved the way they blended like that, that mid-level Zaz in this. And I loved his relationship with, with the Black Skull where you would have the scene where there's a woman who's just laughing in a nightclub. It has nothing to do with anything that's happening at uh, the black skulls table, but he just got some bad news. And that's when he hears the laughing. And the first thing he says is like, Oh, is she laughing at me? And you just hear Zaz go. Yes. Yes, she is. Cause he's a sadist. He just wants to see something bad happen. And you know, you have the black canary character standing there and she's trying to, you know, she's about to say, no, she's not at all. But that's when, like, Zaz just, he knows what to do. He knows how to push those buttons to get to see a form of torture. And that's what he's all about. And I just loved how subtle that scene was. And just the all the subtlety that, uh, what's his name, Chris Messina uh, played Zaz with. You know, that scene where he realizes that the Black Canary is betraying them. And he does that typical pullover. And she's like, but no, we got to, and he's like, no, just pull over. And all this other stuff. And you think he's like about to do something then. And then he kind of turns on the charm a little bit. And he's like, oh, I got to take a leak. You know, just nonchalant and stuff like that. His just ability to go from menacing to like almost disarming, you know, and playful in those moments. Because to him, that playfulness is like a tool to get to the point where he can torture someone. It was just really fun to watch. And I really kind of hope that character's not dead. I know that... He should be technically kind of based on what was happening in the the movie. But the the way they injured him or killed him in this movie, he theoretically could come back from that. It wouldn't be out of the norm for a comic book character in a movie to come back from something like that. It's not like with the Black Skull where they literally blew him the fuck up. This guy just took a dart arrow thing to the neck. He could come back from that. You know, we've seen shit like that in comics and comic book movies. So... I really kind of hope he comes back. I think he'd be a fun villain to see if, for whatever reason, if this were to get a sequel, uh, I'd really enjoy him coming back and just being a part of that because I really just enjoyed his portrayal of that character. Um, Other than that, going back into it, like I said, with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I love how she was just so socially awkward because of growing up being an assassin person and stuff like that. And I liked how the movie even kind of joked about how ridiculous of a character that is in this type of movie where you have her practicing the I'm the huntress and and trying to be menacing and, you know, and and authoritative with how she said it. And everybody just kept going, oh, the crossbow, uh, crossbow killer and all this other stuff. And I just liked how funny they were able to portray those scenes and it not and it not be ridiculous. It was it came across as funny in a very organic way. And I really appreciated that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to come up with more. But I don't really have a lot of negative things to say about this. Or, I mean, just, you know, I guess there were spoiler effect. I guess I should have, I could have said this in the non-spoiler section. I actually 
didn't quite like the disjoint the disjointed nature of the beginning a little bit when it came with the order in which they told the story. I understand why they did it because Justin, you know, really, you know, explains why or explained why earlier. It's, you know, it's to be that kind of frantic type of person telling the story like Harley's telling the story. So it's got a very frantic and all over the place kind of nature to it. It's just I'm kind of tired of shit doing that. It's just it's no fun for me anymore. Uh, It's nowhere near as bad as The Witcher because at least this has justification with why it kind of jumps all over the place with timelines. The Witcher, I still don't know why they decided to go all over the place with timelines. And that, and that is not a spoiler for The Witcher at all. It's very much exactly what this that show is from episode one. It's just diverging timelines and all this other stuff. And so much so that Netflix actually has an interactive map and timeline to put it all in order for you afterwards because it makes no damn sense the way they put it in the show. So... Like with this, I just, I didn't really feel like it was necessary to make this movie stand out. I I know what, it's not completely out of place in this movie. I just don't think it was necessary in this movie. Um. So yes, now we'll move on. Uh, whose turn would it be? It's, oh, it is Justin's. It's Justin's. So what's some spoilerific stuff for you? Um, well, I guess uh, first I'll just start off by commenting on some things that uh, that really just stood out to me that I really liked. And then I'll kind of go into just some of the problems I had uh, overall with the film. Uh, first of all, man, just to kind of comment more on some of these fight scenes, just the just I mean, how they would use uh the 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 different sceneries with the fights and just how colorful they were and the the use of slow mo to help with showing bones breaking or to show some athletic move that one of the women does to avoid danger and then hitting somebody i just really thought that all of that was great stuff it was inventive it was fun to look at so i really appreciated that uh that police raid scene with the beanbag shotgun. I loved that scene where she's going through and she's shooting people and these beanbags are exploding with all of this confetti and uh, colored smoke and stuff, powder and stuff like that. I absolutely love that scene. I thought that was brilliantly shot. I thought that that was beautiful. And I think that that is... For me, that is probably the most like memorable scene of the movie. I think that that's the scene that I will take away from this film and be like, man, that 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 was that really stood out to me. I just really, really um, loved that scene. So uh, I just really had to uh, compliment that that scene. And like you said, um, the. The the um the huntress was great in this. Uh, I really thought that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, right? She she did a just a great job with this character. I like the awkwardness of this character, uh, the social awkwardness, just because of where she's come from and the fact that she's been in this kind of closed situation, just only training. And I liked how awkward she was with them, but just how endearing that was. And that was a character that I would love. I would like to see a movie about that character. Like that was a very, they just did a very, uh, that's a very interesting vision portrayal, however you want to say it of the Huntress character. So that's why I really just hope that more people go see this because I'm afraid that if it doesn't do 
as as hot as they project or wanted to do, then we may not get that movie. We may not get that Birds of Prey movie by itself to kind of see these other characters grow. But Huntress and uh, and and Black Canary too. That actress, uh, Journey. Um, how do you say the? Is it Smollett Bell? Journey Smollett Bell. We're gonna go with that. Sorry if I butchered that name, but I think it's Smollett. I think it's just Smollett. Smollett, like oh, Jesse Smollett. Smollett. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, okay. I'm is it, all, isn't I'm that her all. brother? <laughs> Jesse Smollett, yeah. isn't that her brother? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you for that. But no, I thought that this actress did a great job too. I liked this person who kind of was working for the bad guy but 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 time after time could kind of see what kind of person he was and what she was falling into and what she was doing so i like that little character that little character arc and journey for her i liked um her uh, turn in this film and another thing i liked about this film and this is just uh the the reason why more female directors i, I just think that the, the thing about these female directors and directing like characters like this is that you, you could tell, uh, I, I, be- I want to say that Margot Robbie was in an interview and she said that this movie is not going to be one of those like male gazy movies. Like it's not a movie for the male gaze. It's kind of the wording that she used. And, uh, and I know that what she's talking about is, is that, you know, normally, uh, you know, Years ago and, you know, early 90s, 80s and all that stuff, you kind of have these femme fatale movies and it's totally like the woman is always dressing in like these eye candy costumes and things. And uh, obviously the, the point of it is to show, look, man, this woman is hot and, and she kicks ass. And there was always just kind of like this gratuitous sexiness to a lot of those characters back then. Not every time, but most of the time, that's kind of what you would get on screen. But what I appreciated about this, and, you know, Sterling has said a little bit about it earlier, is that, yeah, man, like, there was a sex, a sexiness and a power to all of these women, but it would never felt like it overdid it with that. It never felt like the point was to we're going to do we're going to dip the camera here just so we can show this character's ass or we're going to do this right here just so you can see her breast popping out of this shirt or whatever the case may be. This is a, a, a director and a script that really took care of its characters. It wanted to show them powerful. It wanted to show them beautiful and confident. And that's how the movie came off. So that was just um, a, another thing that I appreciated about this movie. So I just wanted to make sure that I threw those things in there. Uh, just as far as just some of the negatives and some of the problems I have with the movie, um, like Sterling said, I did for the most part. Appreciate the kind of back and forth jumpy nature in the way that it told the story. But I do think that, uh, like you said, towards the beginning, there was this weird cut that it did where I want to say, actually, yeah, when she first uh, breaks, uh, kicks the door of the police station and she's starting the raid and then it freezes and she goes, oh, I forgot to mention this part. And so it jumps all the way back to like, we're all the way back in the alley where it looks like she's about to be apprehended by um, uh, uh, Black Masters men and everything like that. And that jump, and then it was, I want to say a good 15 or 20 minutes of 
uh, stuff that we got before it got back to the police raid. That's a big cut back to explain something you didn't explain before. And then not only that, but that was, I think, a long time before we got back to the cop raid scene. So this makes for some confusion. So I do think that in trying to be artistic uh, with that, maybe it was a bit much and it was kind of a little hard to follow at first. I was like, okay, wait, so where are we and everything? Now, of course, by the time the everything comes together and the movie gets back on track, you're with it. You understand everything that's happening. There was nothing that was just oh so confusing uh, that, it, you, you know, you're just going to be lost or anything like that. But yeah, I do think that the storytelling was a bit jumbled uh, for that part because they were trying to uh, really give it that Harley Quinn storytelling style. But so I, that was a little problematic at first. And then uh, the, the, the other uh, just problem I had was um, I guess I just didn't appreciate the, the black mask villain um, as much as you guys did. I, I just think like the villains to me are always the best are always better when there's some kind of argument or case that you can make for them, or there's some kind of case that they're trying to make in the movie for why they're evil or why they are doing certain things and stuff like that. And I get it. Some people are just evil. Some people are just dicks, but Honestly, man, I thought that um, th that that his right hand man, um, Victor Zaz, I honestly thought that he was a more interesting villain. I thought that he, visually he was just more appealing, that that villain just seemed more uh you know, that villain just seemed more interesting, like for everybody that he kills, he marks himself so he's got all these scars on his body to kind of uh to kind of showcase who he's killed and everything like that and, and that that character was just to me infinitely more interesting than the 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 black mask Ewan McGregor character I don't think the movie I just never really understood why he was the way he was. I get that he was, that he had all these connections and he was this mob boss that had kind of uh, uh, killed all these other bosses and people and kind of established himself in that in Gotham City and was overconfident, thought that he was the king. And, and, he, and McGregor definitely had brought a pizzazz, a swagger, and a charisma to the role. He was never uninteresting in that way, but just narratively speaking, I just don't think that he was that strong. And I didn't really understand exactly why he just had it out for Harley. Like whenever he had her captured, the 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 movie does this cute thing throughout where whoever has beef with Harley or whatever the case may be, um, it, it it would a screen would pop up with almost like these stats. And there was one that said grievance and it would say whatever grievance that character had with Harley or whatever. Well, when it got to him, it cycled to just all of these things. It cycled through this list. Like there was this laundry list of grievances that he had against Harley. So I get it. Okay. They, they, they've got history and 
you know, he's got a myriad of reasons to hate her. But I wish that there had been just one good one, one solid argument that maybe we could make or just something to kind of make me feel for this character besides just the kind of over-the-top performance that even McGregor was given. So I just didn't, I wasn't as endeared to that character as I think I should have been. I think that uh, um, I, I wanted more from that character than what I got. I think the performance was good. He definitely played it with a lot of energy. I was never bored with the character. I guess I just wanted more from that character. I think that maybe it would have been nice if there was some kind of argument he was trying to make. Like, Harley, you don't deserve this because of what you and the Joker did to me this time at that time. I don't know. I just think that they needed to focus something more uh, when it came to that character. And honestly, I thought the Zaz character was a more interesting character. I almost wish that he wasn't in this one and maybe in the second one he could have been the villain or maybe if he was just the villain uh, in this one and you know, maybe uh, you do Black Mass later. I don't know what needed to happen there, but I think this was one of those rare occasions where the sidekick was more interesting than the main villain. So I just thought that I would say that there. And then the last thing um, that I will say about it is that um, I posted on my uh, um, online thing, and this got me thinking about it. I posted about my, on my online uh, Facebook or whatever, just asking people what their receptions were of this movie. And this one person made the argument that, you know, and he gave the, the movie a solid score. I think he gave it a seven out of 10, but he made the argument or he made the case that he didn't like how it just seemed like every man in the film was bad or was just somehow not a good person. And he said that even the one that seemed like he was going to be good just wound up kind of being a douche at the end. So he was like, you know, it it, it wasn't a deal breaker for me, but I just didn't appreciate uh, that 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 there just weren't any like rounded men in the film. And uh, honestly, like, and so I was like, okay, well, can I argue against that? And uh, I couldn't. So I think that that has to be acknowledged. Like, uh, it wasn't anything that I don't think it was this movie's mission. I don't think that it was a mission to man hate. I'm not saying that. I don't think that. Uh, I do think that people who say that are overreacting. I don't think the movie's mission was to kind of say these women are great. All these men are bad, per se. I don't think that was the mission of it. But. Uh, whenever that does happen in a movie where you can't at least pick out one endearing character that's male or a redemptive character that's male or anything like that, this is the kind of critique that you're going to run into. And I get that the film was unapologetic. I, 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 I applaud the film for sticking to his guns. But if you don't want those kinds of criticisms, uh, then... Uh, if you're going to have a movie with this kind of content, then you're going to have to expect those criticisms. And, you know, I, I hate that I can't really argue against that point. Uh, so I thought that it was worth to just uh, worth it to just mention uh, it on here. But other than that, like none of those things that I mentioned really 
those problems I had were deal breakers. I do think that this film is a lot of fun. And if there was any problem I had with it, it was just that I wanted more of certain things or more development of certain things. But other than that, man, overall, uh, I really enjoyed this film. Um, to a couple of your points, uh, with when it comes to the Black Skull, I don't know a whole lot about him from the comics, but my understanding of the character, at least my understanding of the character in the movie, was his big thing is control. He wants control over everything. And I think instead of outright saying it, they just allude to that a billion times. And so, like, that's his big thing. And so a character like Harley Quinn, to him, is like the just antithesis of what he wants in existence. You know what I mean? He he wants control over everything, and in a way, a Harley Quinn is something you cannot control. So, like, that's like his antithesis, if you will, uh, with that. And that's just more or less why I think I accepted him as a villain with that, because that was just his deal. Um, because, you know, he just alludes to it several times where he, he does that line where it's the crossbow killer, and he's like, nobody kills people I own unless I tell them to. Why don't I own the crossbow killer yet? You know, things like that. That's his thing is control. Um, and to comment, to, to, to comment on what you were saying with the, with what the other person said when it came to like, there were no good men or quote unquote in this movie. My counter to that would be because like we, we stated before, it's kind of from Harley's point of view. And the thing is, is Harley kind of goes, you know, if you will, in the criminal element and, you know, that's where she was and that's where, you know, her life was kind of surrounded by that. So, yeah, you're not going to get just a good old fashioned guy that's also just a street thug assassin. Like they're both, you know, it's just the world that, you know, she lives in at that point is why you wouldn't get that. So to me, that just I understand why he's saying that. But to me, logically speaking, that's just why you wouldn't see that type of, of character that he wanted to see in this movie, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. And, and that's cool. That That's a very uh, um, interesting point. And whenever I read his response, I was like, well, damn, well, where could they have fit that character in? Because, you know, it's just, it, I couldn't come up with the character. So I was like, damn, there really wasn't. So then I was like, okay, well, uh, did every did every did every guy so I was look thinking about all the guys and I was like, okay, did every guy have to be the way that they were? The and then and and, and where I stopped was um was the guy that the, the the Asian guy that was letting her stay in his uh in his shop or whatever where where that was. Um the, the interesting thing about that is I, I looked at the, the, the scene where he reveals himself to be an asshole. And he's like, well, uh, they gave me this money. I just took this money. Now I can have a better shot. Bye. And I was like, OK, did that character really need to be do that? Could could you have had the same effect in that scene if that character was like, look, Carly, it's just too dangerous to be here. Like you got attacked. The the store is blown up. I got to get out of here. It's just too dangerous for me to live here. You know, you're you're more than welcome to come with me if you want. I'll take care of you. And then her be like, nah, man, you know, I got to do this myself. I'm Harley Quinn. I got to do this myself. I've been dependent on people for too long. I got to do this myself. 
okay. They have a heartfelt moment. He drives off in the truck. You still get that moment. You could still have had that moment with Harley Quinn. She still could have cried because they shared something and he let her stay there all that time and everything like that. So I found a way where maybe you could have had one of the guys just be cool, but the situation, he was like, damn, dude, I'm just a regular dude. I got to get out of here, man. You know, I love you, but sorry. I got to get out of here. And I think that it would have had the same effect that it had. Did he have to kind of be like, well, I'll take the money and yeah, Harley, I know you love me and everything and this is going to break your heart, but uh, I took the money. Goodbye. So you know what I mean? Like just narratively speaking, was that scene more effective because that guy was a dick too? Yes. I mean, maybe you could argue it, but I don't think that, I don't think that guy had to be. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to argue that yes, it was 100% necessary because all the things you said lead to a completely different movie. He was a part of the criminal element. That's why he was okay with Harley. He, you know, you wouldn't have the scene where Harley grapples with, you know, is she a good person or not with choosing to sell out Cassandra Kane if she also didn't get sold out herself because of the whole, when he's like, it's just business. You wouldn't even have the shop get attacked if he didn't tell them where she was. So it wouldn't be the shop got attacked. Oh, I've got to get out of here. It's too dangerous. The shop wouldn't have been attacked at all if it wasn't for that scene. You know, so you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had the falling out with Cassandra Kane. So you wouldn't have had the standoff uh, for a little bit at Amusement Mile. You wouldn't have had to have Harley work or feel the need to work to get back on the good graces of Cassandra Kane to help solidify that bond to then want her as like an apprentice afterwards. You know, that drastically changes the tone and the direction of the movie if you change it to what you said. Because none of the scenes it set up or the things that were the direct result of it, like I said, i.e. the shop getting blown up, none of that would have happened if he didn't sell her out. And plus, on top of that, like I said, he was a criminal too. That was kind of what they were kind of alluding at. His food was shit because it was a front. His business was a front. So, yeah, I'm going to argue it was necessary. No. Okay, I got you. I got you. Um, but but yeah, that was the only thing that uh, I could or a character that I could think of that they kind of went one way with him and went the other way. And so I don't know. Um, and, and even still, could they have beaten that information out of him? Could they have gotten that information another way out of him? I, I don't know. But, you know, but it does. But it, but I do understand the sentiment and what that guy was talking about. Like, uh, and if you want to avoid criticisms like that, you know, the, you can have the the empowerment, and you can still have other characters. You know, like Wonder Woman, for example. That was a very female empowering movie. But you know, uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, you know, he was there. He he was a good character. But he never really overshadowed her or, you know, Captain Marvel, like you had Nick Fury and then you had Talos and the guy, you know, the alien that cared about his family and everything like that. Good male characters that didn't still overshadow her and the story that they were going for. So I, I do understand where the guy is coming from. Uh, where the guy is coming from with that critique. So and I get what you're saying, too. Like, they're all criminals. So. Uh, every, everybody is just bad, but 
you know, Black Canary was in was was involved in some of that, and she she had a chance to be that person, but decided not to. You know, choices were made, and this was about Harley Quinn's choice too. So you could have had a guy make a different choice too. Yeah, but you know, but you're also um, that, that's to me apples and oranges. You can't compare Wonder Woman's version of things or Captain Marvel's versions of things to this because the whole point is she's a villain. Even when she tries to do the right thing or a good thing or anything like that, she's still villainous in her nature. And I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I find it a very hard stretch, hard, hard stretch to compare like the male characters in those other movies to anything in this. Cause I mean, the whole conceit is like I said, they're criminals, you know, and there's no, there was just no need for a male criminal in this movie to go, oh, I'm going to do a good thing today. There, there was zero need for that in this movie. And I just, I, I find it a hard, hard push, you know, to say that it was necessary or warranted or even slightly needed to just get the mentality out of something or, you know, something like that. Because the thing that this movie is not, regardless of how the male characters were portrayed or anything like that, this movie isn't a man hating movie and in any way, shape or form. So like, I just, I don't like the implication that for this to be empowering, like empowering to women it has to also have a male that's not shitty when they're like I said, they're all criminals. Like I just, I don't need it. Cause even the black canary person, like her character was borderline. Cause she was more or less just okay with criminal activities happening constantly around her and just keeping her mouth shut until it got to the point where she couldn't anymore. So even then she was still kind of morally reprehensible in that manner. Like she just kind of kept a blind eye to everything and stuff like that. It's just like I said, every male character in this movie, outside of like out of, of, of a few cops, every single one of them were criminals. And the thing is, is the story of Renee Montoya and stuff like that, those characters in the Gotham PD are very much necessary because that's very much a part of her story, you know? And to me, that was the most necessary part of having these those those male characters were kind of shitty and stuff like that, because without that, you don't have you don't, you're not showing the systematic sexism that does exist in a lot of organizations like that. And to strictly just be like criminals are bad and good guys are good. is just like, that's just that that's too black and white. And that's not what this movie was about. So I just, like I said, I find it a strong push to even like bring some of that stuff up because to me, like, yeah, what, why do you need a, like, I just don't understand why you need a male character that turns good at some point. And I'm not saying that you're the one that needs that. And I'm not necessarily saying that that guy needs it either. I'm just saying I, I don't understand the even need to point that out unless you're wanting it to be an issue. Like to me, you're looking so hard for it to be for this movie to fit a narrative that it doesn't actually fit, that you have to impose a narrative upon it by just pointing out something that doesn't make sense anyway. You know, like what did this guy want? Did this guy want... A criminal just to be like, oh, hey, I can't hit a girl. I'm going to walk out of here now. Like, I, it just, it's flabbergasting to me. Um, but I feel infinitely terrible because Heather's been sitting there very quietly for a very long time at this point. And I feel like she should get to say some stuff too. And then we can continue this debate. Heather, talk to us. That is an interesting point that um, the, the guy made on, on Justin's post. Because I didn't actually think of it that way. But I was going to actually say what you did, Sterling, about how... Um, it is from Harley's point of view and in her mind too, just in how her mind works. I don't know. I feel like 
it just kind of seems like every guy's going to let her down. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of, it's her point of view and that's just the, the types of relationships and the kinds of situations that she's always been in is just all the guys are bad guys. And it could, I mean, you know, it's, I think that's a, a huge part of why it seems that way. And and also to the point of they're all criminals, that's true. But they're also all criminals that are associated with the Joker, with her ex-boyfriend, who the Joker is a terrible, he's the crime prince, right? Um, so all of these guys who know Harley and are in her life are because they're associated with the Joker in some way, and he's the worst. So I just feel like because of why she knows these people, that is a big part of why um, they're all the bad guys. <laughs> not not because like they were trying to make that point in the movie, but all of her associates really are through the Joker. I mean, throughout the whole movie, even es especially at the beginning, she's like, I don't even want to tell people we broke up because when you're the Joker's girl, you know, you get treated so well and you're protected and all these things. And she knew she wouldn't be as soon as she let, let it be known that she was no longer with him. And I think that that's also part of it, too, is just the fact that the reason that she even knows these guys in this movie and these characters is through the Joker. And that's never going to be a good guy, whoever it is, whoever he's associated with, that's never going to be someone good. So I think that might be part of it, too. But that's just my take on it. Um, but, yeah, I would say, um, I mean, there's just a lot of really good points that you both made about this movie and it's, it's it is really hard to think of anything I didn't really like about it I think the only thing I would really say is um with uh with uh Black Canary is that her name with her character um she really she was so good like I really enjoyed her character but I just feel like a lot of um what she does towards the beginning it's just a lot of nothing like you feel like she doesn't really and I feel like maybe um I might have talked about this with one of you before but she just doesn't really have too much of a personality and at the beginning or it seems like it. she's just very much like I'm gonna keep my head down I'm gonna do what I have to do and you you feel like she's very much just like you know I want to be the the one that um uh well Ewan McGregor's character you know I just I want to be you know, in top ranks with him and just like you could tell that his opinion um, mattered a lot to her um, and and just kind of. But then when you start start to slowly see that progression of like his actions and how he's treating people and you just see how much she's like, wow, like this is the person that I wanted to care about me and that I cared about his opinion and valued his opinion, especially that scene when they're in the club and that that lady is just randomly laughing. And that actually was a huge part of why I, I liked you and McGregor as the villain, because yes, while um, the, Oh, what is the guy's name? Uh, Zaz. Is Victor that how you Zaz. say it? Zaz. Yeah. So while Zaz was like, yeah, totally. She's laughing at you. Like he's egging it on and he's doing all of that. Um, you know, you and McGregor's character was just very much like, he, you know, he already had in mind like what he wanted to do as punishment. That wasn't something that someone else told him to do. He was just like, no, because you're laughing, I want you to stand on a table and take your clothes off. And if you don't, I'm going to have somebody take them off. That is something sick in somebody's head. 
that they, if they could just come up with that as like a punishment. And that's why I think Ewan McGregor was phenomenal as the main villain of this because it's more just psychologically what's in his head that makes him such a good villain. I mean, yeah, cutting off faces and stuff. Sure. That's terrible. And like, that's a huge thing, but it's just those little psychological games that he would play. And that is why he was so sneaky good as this villain. And I I just really liked how he played it because I hated him. And I love you and McGregor. And I hated him in this movie because he was so good at being that guy that you're just like, you just have, you know, like no moral compass. You have no qualms about doing anything to anyone who offends you or you even think offends you. Like somebody could look at him the wrong way and he would just destroy them and kill them on the spot. And that's the vibe you get from him. And that is the kind of villain that it's that psychological thing that I feel like you need to have that villain as the main villain of a movie against Harley Quinn because of who she is and because of just, you know, how frantic and just all the things in her head already there put by the Joker or whatever else in her life. You need that psychological, like, villain to be the main villain. And he did a really good job of that. Um, I really liked the scene, um, Jasmine, that you were talking about where she's in the police station. <laughs> that was a great scene. I also really liked the scene when she's um, she gets knocked out by, uh, what is, is it, Black Mask? Dark Mask? What's his name? Black Mask. Black Mask, yeah. <laughs> when she gets knocked out by him and she just kind of goes into her own world and then you hear her doing that musical number. I loved that because that whole scene was so funny because it was very well shot. But then you just see how she's like, oh, I'm going to be this like, you know, I, I want to be this very loved person. But then you see in her head, even in her own mind, she's crazy in some ways. <laughs> like she's just like chewing off people's fingers. And like it was just very funny. And I really enjoyed that scene because this movie is from her perspective and just kind of those moments when she's kind of fading in and out of consciousness. And you see those scenes like that, like you're kind of in her head, you're seeing what she's seeing in her head. And it was just funny because, you know, you, you get the conflict of like, I want to be this normal person and I want to be loved and I want to be whatever, but I'm also a little bit insane. And I think she kind of owns it. Like, and I love that she owns that about herself and I just think that um, those scenes where you just see like the ridiculous things that she does are like the the whole thing with the sandwich that she loved so much. And then someone, whoever it was, the cop, Rosie Perez's character caused her to drop that sandwich. And she was just like, that's the thing that made her the most mad. It was so funny to me because, you know, in her mind, that was just the most important thing in the world. And it just it's just funny because it's just those quirky little things about her that just made this movie so good because it is from her perspective. Like it's not saying like, no, she's crazy from someone else's point of view. She's crazy from her own point of view, I think. And that's why I say this movie doesn't take itself too seriously because like, that's the fun part about it. She's like, yeah, this is what it is, you know? And she just has no shame in it. And I think that they did a good job of, of making you feel for her kind of like, you were saying too about in Suicide Squad, she really was the character that you cared about in that movie. She's the one that stood out. She's the one that, you know, you really feel like she, you know, had a little bit of um, some goodness in her just because of her, the, her kind of 
oddly sweet nature in weird ways. But um, either way, like, you know, you just kind of, I don't know, like she's the character that you cared about most in that movie. And then you just, you get to see a little bit more of that in this and why she's just such a dynamic personality and why she's such an interesting character. Um, Sterling, I know you said you're not really a huge fan of her, like the character. Um, but I don't know. She's just the, the anti-hero that is just very, she's, she's just unfortunately lovable in a lot of ways. And I, I just like how they showed all the sides of her, the good and the bad, the crazy, the parts where you're like, no, she's actually smart. She totally gets what's happening here. And I just, I really enjoyed that they showed all the aspects of who she is instead of just the, no, I'm the crazy, you know, Joker obsessed person. Uh, no, she had so much more to her. And um, especially when she was around the other women, I think she was so, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like she was so good at rallying them together and kind of being that leader of these misfits, you know, bringing them to, to be like, we have to work together. We don't have a choice. And, um, and her dynamic with Cassandra was really great too. Like you could just see that she was just like, I feel like I'm a lot like her and I relate to her and I just kind of want to help her. I want to be there for her, you know, and I just thought their dynamic was really good too. Um, but I also, the Huntress, she was so great. I don't know what it was about her, but she was so badass. Like the scenes when they're, you know, she has to kind of fend off everyone or a, a, a big group of guys that were coming after them. And you just see this like smirk on her face of like, yeah, I'm about to do this thing. It was awesome. You know, and that's, you feel like that's just what she's been training for. That's who she is. And, and the awkwardness of who she is outside of being this badass killer. It really was so hilarious because you think somebody who's that great at being a killing machine is going to be just the smooth talking swagger person. And she's just so awkward but she did it so well. Um, so yeah, just, I really, I think all of the, the birds of prey and the, and Harley, they were all really well casted and they were so great in their roles. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, and I really did think the action sequences were so good. Um, they were entertaining. They were fun to watch. Um, they were different than other scenes that you see in action movies. They made it a little bit different. And yeah, it just had a lot of originality and it was unique in its own way. And you feel like it was just a very witty script. Like you feel like it was almost flawless writing the dialogue for this and the story for this because of how well it came together. I actually liked the whole frantic going back and forth thing. And I think it is because of who her character is. I just feel like that makes sense for her. But maybe I was fine with it because I could follow it fine. I feel like sometimes in my own head, I bounce back and forth like that anyway. <laughs> so for someone like me, I kind of enjoyed it because you kind of change up the pace a little bit and all that. And it sort of builds a little suspense because, you know, when she's about to go in and do her thing in that police station and then she's like, wait, and, you know, when you go back, you know, it kind of builds that suspense a little bit and then you get back to it. So I like how they did it. Honestly, I thought it was clever and and original a little bit uh maybe not original because they do that a lot but for what this movie was i think it made sense to do that so yeah i thought it was a great movie and i honestly yeah the only real issue that i had with it was the whole black canary just if she would have had a little bit more personality towards the beginning i think that would have been better because she has so much backstory you feel like you know and so much depth to her but she's just not 
showing anything with that. Like you could just tell, but she's not really, you don't really get much of it. And I think they could have done more with that at the beginning. But otherwise, I think that, yeah, it was a really great movie. I want to thank you, Heather, for bringing something up that I did forget to bring up because I did enjoy this movie a lot. (laughs) So I wanted to block out what was by far the worst scene in the entire movie from my mind, but you had to bring it back up. Oh, no. (laughs) Which one? That musical scene was beyond what the fuck. I just, (laughs) I, I hated that. I absolutely hated that scene. Where it's just all the shit, and then it's just diamonds are a girl's best friend. And just what the flying fuck is happening with any of that. There was zero point whatsoever with that. And I just, my mind didn't want to remember that, and you wanted to make sure it did. So It wouldn't have made sense in any other movie, but for this, I even remember in the previews in, of the movie, in the trailer, I was like, how is that going to fit in with the rest of this movie? And I don't know. I just, I thought it was clever. I don't know. I liked it. No, no, that's a very good point though, is how is it going to fit in with this movie? It doesn't, it doesn't fit in at all. It was just a gigantic, no one knows what the fuck is going on type of thing. Um, I want to bring up something though, that you guys brought up, both of you brought up, uh, like with that specific, that police precinct uh, raid, if you will. One of the things I really appreciated about that and I think it has a lot to do with the people that were on their stunt team, because a lot of them do, like I said, have ties to some of your John Wicks and your Atomic Blondes and stuff like that, of how detailed that particular fight sequence was. Like, she goes in with seven rounds for that gun, you know, whether they were beanbag or confetti or gas. She goes in with seven, and she, like, tactfully, or tactically, tactically used those seven It wasn't that she was just launching them like willy-nilly, like you would get in a lot of movies with something like that. No, she used seven, and she used seven in a very specific way. And I liked the fact that it was very precise and specific with how they used that. And there was another scene later in the movie that I think we only get because of the fact that we have like a woman woman director in uh, in this movie was... In the big fight sequence at the end, the Black Canary character's fighting and her hair's getting in her way. And you just have Harley Quinn come up and go, oh, need a hair tie? And that's something guys would never think of in that instance. Like, we would never think of, oh, she might need a hair tie because her hair's getting in her face. And because it was. Like, it wasn't like it was just something like anything like that. It's just something that would be more specific to women in a fight sequence like that. You know, if they've got longer hair and it's getting in their face, they might need something like a hair tie. I didn't think of that. And so if I was choreographing, like doing the choreography for a fight like that, I wouldn't think of putting that in that scene, you know, but because you have like a female director that would understand that unique problem. It's just that attention to detail that makes so much sense that gets lost in a lot of things and just makes complete sense to actually exist that I, I just really appreciated that, that aspect of it. Because like I said, it's nothing I would have thought of in a million years. And then as soon as it's pointed out in that instance, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the most obvious fucking thing in the world that that would be necessary in that moment. Yeah. And so, like, I just I really appreciated the, the, the attention to detail in these fight sequences like that. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, like, it really kind of added to to why I enjoyed this movie so much. I mean. Even the little jokes of the parts of the the fight sequences that didn't make any sense. I liked the fact 
of how they address them because it made it feel actually a little bit more authentically comic booky in a way. Like, and they're in the middle of this fight sequence and all this stuff, and all of a sudden Harley Quinn has roller skates on. And they're like, when the fuck did she have time right. to do that? It makes no sense in in, in a realistic type of, of, of fight way, but it makes perfect sense in a comic book way. And so I appreciated that they kind of uniquely and thoughtfully merged the two in that instance. I mean, I never kind of thought that I needed a chase scene with a car and somebody on roller skates. Like, I never thought that that would be something I'd be interested in seeing in a movie until the way they did it. It made sense. It wasn't, it was zany. It was very much over the top, but it very much fit in with how the, you know, what the fuck this movie is, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I, I appreciated little things like that. And, and also I, I love the fact that Bruce lived at the end because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Halfway through this movie, I was already planning a fuck, you know, birds of prey, you know, the emancipation of one Harley Quinn, uh, Twitter campaign about it being just nothing but a bunch of pro lion propaganda. <laughs> and of course, and the fact that Bruce lived at the end, I was like, you know what? This movie gets it. Not only was it a fun ride, it gets it. And I didn't need to do hashtag justice for Bruce because uh, justice was already happened for Bruce. Cause he's a badass <laughs> and was just uh, walking around the streets. Like, like a, like a good hyena would do. So I appreciated that. Uh, do you guys have any more thoughts or anything about the movie specifically before we branch off into a, a, a topic related to this movie? No. No, I don't think I'm good. All right. So let's get a little serious here, guys. What the fuck is up with the box office with this movie? Jeez. If anybody doesn't know, this movie came in at $33 million, uh, for its opening weekend, which is still good enough to have the, the be the number one movie of the weekend. But it was what the worst performing DC extended universe movie to this point was Shazam at 59 million opening, but it had a way uh, lower budget than this movie did. And you know, it's just what, why do you guys like, what is, what do you think it like happened with this movie to be this low? Because I mean, Warner brothers thinks it was the name. I mean, I think they've, you know, like we talked about at the very beginning, I think they're they're going the absolute wrong direction with the name either way. But I never thought that the original name was so far off that people wouldn't know that this is Harley Quinn. I mean, the name you would, I think you would still know it's a Harley Quinn movie based on the original title. I just, I don't know what, like, what is it about this movie? Do you think is doing this? Because most people I know that has actually seen it, that are real people have liked this movie. So wh wh why is it not? Connecting? Yeah. And it's getting good ratings too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is if people are associating it too closely with suicide squad and everybody hated it. So the only thing I can think of is they're like, no, there's no point because it's going to be just as bad as suicide squad. That's really the only, the big thing I can think of because I remember when, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, Oh, like it has potential, but so did suicide squad and it was bad. So I don't know if maybe that's people's mindset still or um, anything like that. But for me, that would be my first guess is that they're just kind of relating it too much to that movie. What about you, Justin? Okay. So, um, well, I think that, man, I don't know if it's really just one thing. I mean, the 
but I agree with you. I think that the name change and everything that, that it, it's not a good look to after the fact, you know, go and have to change the the name or anything like that. You know, that that's kind of like on that cat's vibe when they were like, hey, we're going to update the graphics or whatever. You know, it just kind of seems like a, it, it just kind of seems like damage control when it, it's questionable if. Like you said, the name of that would have helped. I, I, I mean, I, if you want to argue that it hurt it, maybe it did. Maybe people heard the name and it seemed like it was a Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn also in there, which maybe if you look at that title, that's what it seems like. The initial title, the Birds of Prey and, you know, it. And and then you have the Harley Quinn part. So I guess it could I could see how somebody could look at that and go, okay, it's a Birds of Prey movie, but Harley Quinn is in it. And if you compare that to how Suicide was, I guess I could see how you could make that assumption because Suicide Squad was very much a movie about them. Right. But the Joker was also in it. So maybe people are. You know, looking at that and going, oh, so that was must be what this is. Uh, the Birds of Prey characters and then Harley is going to be in it somewhat or Harley is going to be part of their group or something like that. So, I mean, if that's a reason now to me, is that a reason not to see a movie? I don't know. Like, even if somebody sat there and went, oh, it must be about Harley Quinn joining the Birds of Prey. W- would that stop a person from seeing the movie would that have just derailed someone so like it can't just be that right so it can't be the title so then i move across so then i move down to the next thing okay well like heather said well everybody hated the the suicide squad movie now don't get me wrong suicide squad was successful it did make a lot of money but that doesn't but but money isn't always an indicator of what the of what the general feel it's a good indicator but it's not always the key indicator or it's not always indicative of just how what was the overall reception about the film and most people that you talk to most memes that i saw after that film was over most of the time People are making fun of that film. You, you know, most of the content that I see online or anything like that, when it when suicide 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 when Suicide Squad is discussed, they're making fun of it. So I do think that some of it is, man, is that you lost a lot of people with that first movie, and this movie what was it really going to get those people back? So I do think that there's some of it there. I think the R rating might have hurt this movie. Maybe if this movie was PG-13, maybe you could have got more people in there, given when you're releasing the movie, when it was coming out. And honestly, this I think that this could have easily been done without being an R rating, especially considering the tone of it. It's kind of zany. It's kind of silly. Doesn't take itself seriously. You don't need this. This movie isn't the kind of movie that justifies being rated R. Maybe some of the violence, you know, bones breaking and stuff like that, but I think you could have got away with that and just cut the language a bit. And I think if it was PG-13, 
maybe a lot more of parents wouldn't be so apprehensive. Maybe people are questioning, oh, should I take my daughter to it? Because it is an R-rated movie. Um, so there is that. And then the last part thing I want to say, man, is just that, uh, is it on some misogynistic shit? You know, is it that, um, uh, you know, could some of it be that this is just, it's a, it's a female character. It's a female led movie. And back to kind of what we were talking about with Charlie's angels is some of it that are we just not giving it a chance because of the content and who's in it and everything like that. Um, uh, you know, I, maybe that is some of it too. Why aren't people going to see the film? Uh, so, th- so there's that too. And, and, and then again, you know, is this one that people were asking for too? I think you, that's, that's fair to say too. Was anybody clamoring for birds of prey? You know, was anybody clamoring for Harley Quinn, not necessarily. So maybe this is just one of those comic book movies where maybe it's a miss as far as the the box office was concerned. But was it worth the try? Yes. Was it? Did, did Suicide Squad make enough money? Did enough people tout about Margot Robbie's performance to give it a shot? I think so. I think you had enough from the results of Suicide Squad going in that this was worth a shot, but maybe it just wasn't a popular enough subject. And maybe this just wasn't the character that people were necessarily clamoring for it to be on screen, despite what maybe the optics of the box office of Suicide Squad maybe showed us. I get with, with, with what you're saying with that part of it is, was it, was this what we were asking for? And honestly, I, I think when it came to comic book movies, if this was 10 years ago, I feel like that'd be a more valid argument. But since then, we got, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, which became re- incredibly successful. Who was actually clamoring for Guardians of the Galaxy before that? You know, no one was. And true. And, you know, say what you will about the original Suicide Squad. You, I mean, you did bring up the fact that either way, it was still successful. Who was asking for that? Who was asking for one of the first in this extended universe movies to be Suicide Squad? And it made $750 million worldwide. I mean, who was asking for a Shazam movie like what we got? You know, like, I feel like those arguments, like the argument you said make makes sense a while ago. I just don't know if it still does because of these random successful movies we've gotten when it came to comic books now. I mean, honestly, I'm wondering how much of it has to do with the month. Like, February is kind of a no man's land. You know, we used to have a lot more times in which you wouldn't release a movie like this and expect it to do good. You know, and then like a Black Panther, like January used to be one of those months. But then you had Black Panther and uh, Captain Marvel both gross a billion coming out of January. But I don't know if February has quite overcome that yet. Like February and March are still kind of, you release just regular movies then. You don't release something with you know, an 80 to a hundred million dollar budget expecting to get, you know, 300 plus, you know, worldwide gross on a movie. You know what I mean? Like that's still a weird, weird month to bring out a movie like this. I'm wondering how much of it is that because yeah, like I said, every other month is like fair game for movies. Now when that used to not be the case, it's just February and March. I still feel are still trapped in that no man's land for releasing movies and wanting to make money. But I mean, I don't know. 
I, I don't think the title did any favors. I don't think changing the title helps at all. And I'm just, I mean, for me personally, I'm kind of hoping, I, I kind of hope this ends up being like Guardians of the Galaxy, which opened very low. Guardians of the Galaxy opened with a very low box office, but through word of mouth grew into a huge behemoth of a box office like gem. And I'm kind of hoping that this movie might do the same thing. Because like I said, I don't know of any normal people that have watched this and not liked it. So and and to go back with what you're saying about misogyny and stuff like that, there's a there's a a, a guy, an article I came across I want to say his name is Mac McLaughlin or something like that. He's from Cosmic Book Movie or CosmicBookNews.com. And, oh, that guy is a, a special fuckhead if I was to ever come across one. Because <laughs> he, was, he was so happy that this movie was, you know, not going to make what it was kind of projected to make box office-wise. And talking about how it's, you know, woke Hollywood is why it was, you know, failing. And that this was a woke SJW anti-man movie. And apparently he claimed to see it. He had claimed that he had seen the movie. And I don't know how he saw the movie and thought any of those things. Because that's just, that's plain and simple. That's not what this movie is. I mean, and he names all these other movies and stuff like that. And some of it is just, it shows how little he actually understands about Hollywood and stuff like that. Because a lot of people do consider the 2016 Ghostbusters movie a failure. And they they claim it's because it's woke Hollywood SJW bullshit. The thing is, technically, if you look at your traditional formulas in which Hollywood uses to see if you know something was a box office success or failure or anything like that, that movie technically made a profit. The Ghostbusters 2016 movie made a profit, and it just didn't make as much of one as uh, I believe Sony originally thought it would, based on what type of property it was. But if it had got based on its numbers, if it had gotten a sequel, it wouldn't have been the craziest thing in the world because it did turn a profit. And typically that's all you really need. It just didn't turn the type of profit it thought it would. You know, it's it's the same thing with Justice League and Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers, you know, as much money as Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman made, which Suicide Squad overperformed and Batman versus Superman underperformed, they were sure that Justice League would still hit a billion, which seems crazy now that like how much of a success the original Avengers was for hitting a billion. And because that's what they were comparing it to. They were comparing it to the first Avengers movie. So they were like, surely Justice League's going to make a billion. And now for a comic book movie, if you're even just a normal property in a comic book movie, holy fuck, you better make a billion. Like, holy shit. It's crazy how much the scales have tipped with what the fuck movies are expected to do now. But, and it made like 400 and something million. Like it was abysmally bad. And so then that's why they retooled how they're doing their whole extended universe and stuff like that. And they're going away from team movies and stuff like that because of just how drastically bad that underperformed. And I just, I really feel like this movie is different. And and maybe it's a combination of everything that we've said. You know, it's the time of year. It's the name. It's, the impressions that people got it's it's ties to suicide squad are all those things just factors in why this is low and i mean do you think there's a chance that it still might overcome it like from what i an article i read today this movie needs to make anywhere from 200 to 300 million to go into the black which that's a weird huge jump in the amount of money like 200 to 300 million 
I'm like, you couldn't narrow it down to less than a hundred million as a range, but that was what they were saying. I mean, it did 80 something million worldwide total. That that was, we were 33 million domestic, 80 million worldwide is where we're sitting. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say it doesn't have a chance just because I feel like people are going to be surprised at the, I would say, I guess, I guess you could say the reception of this movie because I mean, the ratings for it and everything, I don't think anybody really expected it to be what it was. And I think that might surprise people. And I think it might intrigue people to say, Oh, maybe I'll go see it. I don't know. Maybe they won't quite hit what they need, but I do think that maybe in the next coming weeks, there might be more momentum with it because people are seeing like, Oh, okay. I guess it is good. I guess it's completely different. And you know, it might pique interest in others who, you know, were, um, you know, not as optimistic about what it would be. Or if they were like, oh, I thought it was going to be just like Suicide Squad. Apparently it's completely different. Maybe I'll go see it now. Like you just never know. I I think it still has a chance to at least do better than what it did opening week um, or opening weekend. But I don't know. It's, It's a tough call to say. And I also wanted to mention I, I don't know if this is actually something to factor in, but I was just thinking about it. Most of the cast, um, I mean, you have Margot Robbie and you have Ewan McGregor, but the rest of the cast, they're they're known, but I wouldn't say that they're relative they're they're relatively they're not as well known. You know what I mean? Like all of the leads or they're people that, you know, like Rosie Perez, who hasn't really done a whole lot in several years. You know, like, so I don't know if maybe because of the cast not being as relatively well known or as popular, maybe, um, I don't know if maybe that might have something to do with it as well, because it's like you have the one main name, which is Margot Robbie, and you have Ewan McGregor, which people would go see for that. But everyone else is probably for some people, it might be like, oh, I don't know who that is. You know, like you, you should, and they were all fantastic. And it's not to say that they don't deserve to be more well known, but I just feel like it's they're not like people you would consider like oh i totally have you know i know everything that they're in and i've seen them and everything they're just not as relatively well known if that makes sense you know what i mean no i get that i just feel like with comic book movies nowadays that doesn't matter because like look at the the cast of the original guardians of the galaxy no one in that was really well known um look at wonder woman gal gadot was not a huge household name then uh, Chadwick Boseman wasn't a household name then, you know? Yeah, that's true. That, like, that's something that's kind of changed, at least with comic book movies. You don't necessarily need a huge name anymore to kind of move on. I mean, look at Thor. I mean, you had Tom Hiddleston and, and, and Chris Hemsworth, who were nobody here. And I mean, now they are. Now everyone knows yeah. who they are. Yeah. But at the time, no one gave a fuck about any of them. The biggest name was was Natalie Portman and Anthony Hopkins. And they weren't really main characters at all. You know, they're, those are both side characters. So, I mean, I, I 100% yeah. get what you're saying. I just, I don't know if comic book movies have that same threshold anymore. Yeah. And you could be right. I just was trying to think of if any other factors that might be the case as to why it didn't do as well as you might have expected it would. Um, yeah. I mean, you're right. Because that does make sense. I, I know a lot of people still that would be like, oh, I don't know who that is. I probably won't go see it. 
<laughs> you know, I know that there's still a lot of people out there that are like that. Um, I probably back in the day, I was probably the same way. I was like, Oh, I have no idea who that is. I don't care. You know? So if, if there are people like that, maybe that is part of it too, but you're right with comic book movies. Uh, it's, it really is kind of a different beast because I mean, a lot of super well-known, um, actors now started out with that and they weren't a big deal until then. So you're right. It couldn't be a factor. I just wondered if maybe that might be part of the lack of appeal, you know? Um, just, just to speak on what Heather said. No, um, I think that, I mean, it, it definitely, you could argue it, 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 to, to have, to not have as much star power. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have, it would have helped to, you know, if you could have had some more star, I think star power does always help the argument. Now, did it hurt it? Maybe not so much, the, the actors and actresses themselves, but what about the popularity of the characters? Like, the Birds of Prey, as far as, as far as what I know, you know, just uh, with, with the general public, I don't know how familiar the general public is with the Birds of Prey. I know that the comic books, you know, the, the comic books have had some runs here and there, and people like those characters. Black Canary was in the Injustice video game, and, you know, Harley Quinn is, a, is an iconic character, but not to the level of somebody like a Wonder Woman. You know what I mean? Like, like so I just think, and at the time, Wonder Woman was the first, and then the marketing, I think, was better for Wonder Woman. Like, I mean, everywhere I looked, you know, there was something about Wonder Woman. It's coming out. It's coming out. This, I don't know if the marketing was as strong, and I don't know, and I, maybe the marketing was fine, but it maybe it needed to be stronger because the characters aren't as iconic. Like the Black Canary, like the Birds of Prey, like, I, I want to say the last time the Birds of Prey was like out on something like in movies and stuff, I, I know there was a Birds of Prey television show a long time ago. Uh, now, I'm not up. sure if these yeah, now, uh, yeah, and I'm like, I'm not sure if the same characters were in it, but I know that the show was like super forgettable, was seen as a terrible show, et cetera, et cetera. And that was like the last time the birds of prey were on the screen. So given the fact that these aren't characters that are just iconic to the known public, Given the fact that it's an R-rated movie, given the fact that it's coming off of a movie that most people thought was quality-wise was a bad movie, even though it had a good box office gross in Suicide Squad, I mean, it's got to be some of that, too. And then I think that's why they think the title change is going to help, because they've maybe the initial title emphasized Birds of Prey which are very popular with the general public. So now they try to switch it up and go, no, it's about Harley Quinn, who is the iconic character, thinking that maybe that will buff up the sales. So I get the logic, but maybe it's too little too late. But like I said, I hope this movie makes money because then uh, we, we can get the Birds of Prey movie. And I think that they've set up some interesting characters. But yeah, uh, but, but, but um. So, so I'm rooting for it, but yeah, it may be too little, too late. Uh, 81 million, damn, dude! I thought it at least made a hundred worldwide. That's yikes. 
Yeah, like I said, they're not expecting crazy high numbers from this, mainly because it is rated R. They're not expecting it to go super crazy. I think they were hoping they might have a Deadpool on their hands and all of a sudden it's like $700 million. But I think realistically they were expecting, because Warner Brothers was lowballing a lot of their expectations with this movie, are looking, and I, I just re-looked it up, they're looking for 200 domestic, 300 worldwide is what they're hoping this movie will end up making to break, you know, to get into the black. Uh, so that was the discrepancy okay. in the hundred million. Um, I, I do think it's doable. I hope that it does grow from word of mouth. Um, and this oddly enough does have a lot of characters uh, from the TV show um, just in different roles. There was a Diane, uh, Diane Lance. She wasn't the black canary though. She had telepathic powers because that makes sense. Uh, they did have the huntress, but it was, it was a different version of the Huntress because the original Huntress in the comics is actually the child of Selena Kyle, who is Catwoman in Batman, was the original Huntress in the comics. She has been retconned to this origin where her family was killed and she became an assassin. Um, and it did have Harley Quinn in it, but Harley Quinn in that was a bad guy, like was the bad guy to the Birds of Prey, you know, team. Uh, it also had uh, Barbara Gordon, who is typically a member of the birds of prey uh, as Oracle, not as Batgirl as Oracle after she's, you know, been shot by uh, the Joker and can't walk anymore. And so she's more of a tech person. Uh, that's typically the role of Barbara Gordon in this. Um, but with, um, with this, like I said, I, I'm wondering really if, if they did make too much of a push calling it birds of prey. I think that might be a lot to do with it. Like you guys said, because yeah, the birds of prey aren't something that normal. Pe it's a very like niche comic movie. If it's a birds of prey movie, I think Harley Quinn as a character has the ability to draw a lot of people to come see it. Harley Quinn is a is not Wonder Woman levels, but Harley Quinn is a very recognizable comic book character to even non comic book people. I think they just should have leaned on that more. It's like what we talked about earlier, like at the beginning. Should this movie have just been called like Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey or just the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn? You should have you should have made and they're trying to do that now. They're trying to hammer home that it's a Harley Quinn movie and the Birds of Prey are in it. It's just still they it's still phrased stupid. But yeah, I, I, I am wondering that. Is it just too did it originally like you said, the marketing? Why are you marketing this movie as a Birds of Prey movie? No one gives a fuck about the Birds of Prey property outside of diehard comic fans. Yeah. If this was just a Birds of Prey movie, I probably wouldn't have wanted to go see it. Knowing that it was <laughs> mainly focused Harley Quinn and they were just naming yeah. it something weird. Sure, I'm fine with going and seeing it. But if it was just Birds of Prey, I probably would have been one of those people that needed word of mouth to convince me to go. I would have needed people to go, no, Sterling. This movie's fucking awesome. You need to go see it. Mm -hmm. Because I just, who cares? Like, and, it, and it's nothing against the property. It's just, I hear Birds of Prey, and I do think of the TV show. That's fucking garbage. <laughs> it's one of the fucking worst comic book things that has ever been adapted to anything. I mean, and, and, and I mean this in the most sincere way possible. I would rather just see a random mashup of just random scenes from Venom and Joker put together in a slideshow than watch an episode of Birds of Prey ever again in my life. That is rough. 
Damn. I, I, I have seen, don't get me wrong, I haven't seen all of Birds of Prey, but I have seen some episodes of Birds of Prey. And there are some things that you cannot unsee. One of those being, you have the fucking character Black Canary, and she is a telepath. And on top of that, the Hunter's character in the Birds of Prey questions why a telepath would be good on a team. I thought the X-Men, just the history of them, has just proven why having a telepath on a team is a very invaluable type of thing. But nope, the Huntress, who is just a fighter, who also has vaguely weird supernatural cat powers. So they're kind of referencing that Catwoman was, I guess, I don't know, the Halle Berry type of Catwoman or the Michelle Pfeiffer one. Because the Michelle Pfeiffer one does have slight cat powers. But like, she's a cat-powered fucking fighter who goes, do we really need a telepath? Like, come on. When has anybody ever gone, I don't need a telepath? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's the, that's the type of level of shit that the Birds of Prey TV show brought us. Is in the first episode, they go, do we need a telepath? I don't think it's necessary. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the type of shit we get. Uh, do you guys have any more thoughts on, on this? On this? I'm, I'm good. I do not. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook, just Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. Uh, go give us a like on, on your preferred podcast app. Um, you know, recommend us to friends. Rec- uh, you know, let us know what you want us to do to get better. We've got a lot of fun things coming your uh, coming your way, so check all that out. And, I, you know, I don't know. Man, now I'm all sad. I was all, like, happy to talk about this movie. Now I'm all sad. You guys reminded me of the fucking Birds of Prey TV show. So fuck <laughs> both you guys. And remember, Moon Knight was a Best Picture winner. <laughs>